Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. My name is Landon Hargrove. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm the lead pastor here at Oasis City, and I'm honored that you're in the room. We're going to be jumping into a brand new series today, so you came on a good day. Uh, we're starting a new series called Till Boise Looks Like Heaven, and this is something, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say it. You see it plastered on the wall. It's on all of our shirts now, right? It's Till Boise Looks Like Heaven. That's the mission of our church, and so we want to run after uh, to see this city look like heaven, to see this city saved, to see people come to know. Jesus. And so we're going to start a series that's really just going to be focused specifically on the vision of our house and what we're going to be looking for God to do in this next season. And just for context, we're going to really two times a year, uh, two times a year, we're going to be um, going into this idea of what does the vision for the next six months look like and what does the vision for the future forward look like? And so we're going to really be looking into July and to January as our two kind of moments that we reset, refocus, and just re-engage with our mission as a church every single year. And so every year we're going to have these two series, these two moments where we're going to just go back and just look at, hey, how can we continue to push the ball forward down the field for the vision and mission that God has given this house? And so today's message, just for, for a little more context, it's going to stylistically differ from my typical message outline format, how I would normally preach a message. Uh, we're going to kind of veer away from that for today. And I'm really going to break this message into three individual sections uh, that we're going to break down. The first being a moment of us discussing what vision really is. Like really what is vision and why it matters both in a church uh, for you personally and also for us corporately together as a body. The second being a moment to really expound on our corporate vision as a church, what we're going after, uh, the direction that we're headed, where we're headed in the future, right? We're going to talk about that. And then the last being a moment of just the importance of a personal encounter with God in order to push us towards the vision that God has for us. So before we dive in, would, can we just open up a prayer? Would you pray with me this morning? Bow your heads. Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here, that you're in the room. God, I ask in the name of Jesus, would you just speak to our hearts, to our minds? God, would you allow us just to be formed by your word, formed by your spirit? God, would you speak to us about us, for both individually and personally, about the vision you would have for our lives, what you're calling us towards, but also as a church, as we dive into what you've set before us? Uh, would you continually guide us, God? As, as our main scripture says, Lord, would you continually guide us? As Isaiah 58, 11, would you be that, that guiding force for us? Like an ever-flowing spring, God, would you make us alive in you? We're so grateful for your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Would you just think about with me for a moment, just the journey of life? Think, think about the journey of life. And, and if you've been alive long enough, you know that over the course of time, uncertainty becomes a constant companion for us in life, right? Uncertainty. It's just, there's just moments in life where we're just like, we're just not sure what to do. We don't know what lies ahead, especially as we begin to contemplate and envision the future and what may lay ahead for our lives what it may hold for us. And yet amidst this ambiguity lies a powerful tool that really can just elevate our, our aspirations and lead us to a place of victory as we set out to accomplish vision and goals in our lives. And that tool is vision. 
But, but we need to talk about what exactly is vision because maybe you've heard that word or maybe you've been in a church setting before where you've heard about vision or maybe uh, perhaps you've been in a business setting or an organizational setting when you know you get called into with the board members and you know everyone you got the president and the CEO there and they're talking about hey here's the vision for our company here's where we're headed in the next 10 years and you start to just wonder what does that even really mean well I would say this vision is the art of crafting a vivid mental picture of what lies ahead of us it's a vivid mental picture of what lies ahead of us. It's a, it's a profound understanding of our deepest aspirations and desires. Having vision really means to embrace the power of your imagination because we all have the ability, right, to, to picture something that's not. But it's not just picturing something that's not, it's actually chasing after steps that are going to lead us to this preferred future. It's this imaginative power that really enables us to see beyond our present reality and our present circumstances and see what God would have for us ahead to envision the possibilities that just sit beyond the horizon. And so having a vision is vital for us both personally and corporately because it empowers us as individuals and as a church in multiple ways. Firstly, it serves as really this magnetic force that pulls us forward, that motivates us to persevere through challenges and setbacks with just unwavering determination. Because how many know we're going to face challenges? Did Jesus promise us an easy life? No, but he promised he'd be with us, right? Through the storms through the trials, through the tribulation, All right? James, the book of James is very clear. We're going to face these things, these trials, these tribulations, these hard times, but we can count it all as joy. And so let me just say this, vision sometimes acts like a blueprint for our actions. So, so when we hold on to a clear vision of the future, we're more likely to stay focused, consistent, and resolute in pursuit of our goals. So it really becomes, like I said, this blueprint. And, and, and when we have this blueprint, we have this well-defined sense of purpose. And then all of us as a, as a collective group, as a church, we can take our, 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 our collective purpose and efforts and values, and we can get them all in alignment so that we can multiply our impact, multiply our ability to reach that destination, to reach that future in significant ways. So vision really allows us to make intentional choices that bring us closer to our goals. It enhances our efficiency and effectiveness as a church. But, but I, I, let me just give you an illustration that might help you. Um, I, two weeks ago, I went on the first vacation that we've been on as a family since we launched the church six months ago. And uh, it was awesome and needed. <laughs> so we, we got ready to go. Uh, and, you know, we were looking at different places we could go. We wanted to go to the beach. Okay, uh, but we needed a cheap beach. All right, so we went to the Oregon coast. And uh, so we, we, got, we were like, hey, we can drive to this beach. And uh, so we get ready to go to the Oregon coast. And I expected to be like severely underwhelmed, honestly, to be clear. Um, it actually was amazing and beautiful and far beyond what I thought it would be when we got there. But as we got ready to go, we got ready to drive. And now just for context, this is not like a peaceful drive to the coast. Okay, I got three kids, seven, three, and one years old. This is torture. This is not, this is not, I'm like, babe, we should fly. We should just, we should, let's fly to Portland. Then we only have to drive two hours. Like, you know, but no. And she's like, oh, this is gonna be fun. And my wife is like road trip queen. I'm gonna give you a parent hack for free right here. My wife makes these little snack bags and every hour of the road trip, she gives like a little snack bag with like some hot wheels and different things in it. So it makes them look forward to every hour free. That's free today. That's just for you. Be blessed. Okay. Um, but we got ready to go. My kids are crazy. Okay. First hour into the drive, we're like, this is going to be fun, guys. Let's play the license plate game. It's like, woo. That 
last like 15 minutes, okay? They're like, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, I'm done. Okay, like that's it. And so we're getting ready to go. 15 minutes in, they're over it. They're just like, no, we're not doing this anymore. And we're driving, and within that first hour, I get the, the dreaded question, Dad, are we there yet? Son, we got six more hours of this, okay? No, we're not there yet. And no, don't ask me again in 20 minutes. Like, we're not going to get there in, in, in the next hour or two or three or four or five. We're going to be there in six hours. So, so just, he's like, okay, okay. 20 minutes later, Dad, I'm bored. All of a sudden, right, it, things start falling apart in the car. We're an hour and a half in and we're like, okay, the world's ending. Okay, like we got to figure this out. So here's what we ended up doing. This is, this is going to be helpful for you. We ended up just going, hey, do you guys want to see pictures of the Airbnb we're staying at? Yeah, yeah. And so we started to show them pictures. We're like, check out this house. Hey, look at this beach we're going to go visit. Oh my gosh, we're going to go to this secret beach. It has, has seals that lay out there. Look at this picture of the seal. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go. And so every now and then they start to go, are we there yet? I'm tired. I'm bored. I don't want to be in the car. And we pull out that phone. And we say, hey, look where we're going. Look at these pictures. And all of a sudden, again, they're excited. Dad, I can't wait to get to the beach. Dad, I can't wait to swim in the ocean. I can't wait to see a sea. All of a sudden, when they realize that the destination is worth the journey, they started to see all these little moments where like, okay, it's been set before me again. There's the picture. There's where we're headed. There's where we're going. And that's why we're doing this series. And that's why we do this twice a year where we refocus, we re-engage with our mission because I want to put it before you to say, this is where we're going, church. And I need you to get on board and say, I want to be a part of it. I want to see more people come to know Jesus in the valley. I want to serve. I want to help other people encounter God. And that's why we're doing this today. Keeping the vision in front of us keeps us motivated to reach the goal. It keeps your spirits high. Because when we know precisely what we're striving for as a community, each step we take gains significance and purpose and our actions begin to be infused with passion and the journey becomes just as rewarding as the destination. And that's my hope for us as a church is that we enjoy the journey of what God is doing here and what he's going to do in the future. And that in 10, 15, 20 years, we can look back and say, look what God has done. I look at what God has done the last six months and I think that, and we'll talk more about that. But honestly, vision means having faith for the future. And if I had a title for my message today, that's simply what it would be, faith for the future. See, vision is having the audacity to dream big. Faith is, is the ability to, to, or having vision is the idea to dream big, to dare greatly, to have a dream for something that without God is impossible to accomplish. There, there's a quote that I love that says this, that if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And I would put a churchy twist on it for us. And I would say this, if the vision for our church is able to be accomplished by us, it's not big enough. We need a vision for this house that is so large, a vision for the city of Boise that's so large that without God's divine intervention and guidance, we will not accomplish it. We need a vision that is breathed from the Spirit of God, not something that we come up with as a leadership team. We need God to say, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. Proverbs 29, we're going to start there today. Open your Bible with me. Proverbs chapter 29. 
I love the Proverbs. Proverbs are awesome because there's 31, so you can literally do one every single day. Uh, if you uh, are starting just trying to get into the Bible, uh, I would recommend starting in John and then jumping into Proverbs. Do one a day, just read it, let it speak to you. There's so much wisdom and guidance in the Proverbs. Uh, but we're gonna be in chapter 29 for just a moment. We're gonna jump to Mark 5 later in the, in the message. But we're gonna start here at Proverbs 29, verse 18. And I'm reading out of the ESV version today. It says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, the King James Version says it this way. Listen, and I don't read the King James Version often. So if you like that version, this is for you. And this is the only time you're going to hear it. The King James Version says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, now hear me. The, the word that's translated as perish or to cast off restraint in the original language means to loosen and, and thus to, to expose or to uncover. The same Hebrew word is used in Exodus 32, 25 during the golden calf incident with, with Moses. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control. And so they become a laughingstock to their enemies. And so through this understanding, it becomes clear that without vision, without the guiding principles of the word of God that's pushing us forward, people begin to wander aimlessly. People become loose. They lose self-control. They cast off restraint. They no longer have boundaries. They no longer have something that's funneling them towards a divine destination and vision for their lives. They lose control and they wander. And they find themselves in this situation where they have no vision. And this is why vision is so important because vision is so much more than just like a list of objectives and goals, although that is a part of it, right? You got to have some objectives and some goals, but it's not just objectives and goals. No, vision has the overall destination in mind of where we're going as a community. It, it, it has this ability to where we, when we have vision, it helps us to define the paths that we must forge as a community to reach this destination. Because without forging these paths, we won't actually arrive. We won't actually get to what we're looking for. And so when we start to, to formulate a vision, uh, both personally and corporately, it must be breathed from the word of God and the spirit of God. And we have to approach it with our faith in mind. So even our, our personal vision for our lives has to be informed by the word of God and what God has called us as, as a group and as individuals to do. And so the vision I have for my life, just to be clear, is I wanna go out giving everything I have for Jesus. I wanna spend every breath that God has given me serving my, 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 for serving Jesus first and then serving my wife and then serving my family and serving my friends and serving my church and serving my city. I want to go out gloriously exhausted, having given every breath in my lungs for Jesus. That's what I want to do with my life. That's the vision that I have for my life, to give my all for the cause of Christ. And that's the vision I have. But the where there is no prophetic vision for our lives, I think many times we end up living pointless lives. We end up living lives of apathy, lives of indifference, where we don't really kind of, we don't really have a destiny. We're just kind of going about church. We're going about life. We're just kind of floating through the cosmos here. It's hanging out, just hoping that somewhere along the way we find some kind of purpose. 
where there is no vision, we waste our lives. Our lives have no real meaning. They're, they're tragically wasted on vain and empty pursuits of self-gratification. That's where we end up. But friends, we are called to live lives of vision. And so I wanna highlight two types of vision for us today. Number one, you have to have a personal vision of how we can make the most of our lives to bring glory to Jesus. Number two, we have to have a communal or corporate vision for how we as a church community can reach more people for Jesus and, and live lives and challenge each other to live lives that collectively look more like Jesus. And so for us personally, when I talk about a personal vision, yeah, I, I, you could say like a vision statement like that is a great thing to have, but I would say this, you need a vision for every aspect of your life. Like you need, listen, families, you need a vision for your family. I would say this, young person, you need a vision for your vocation and for your future. I would say you need a vision for your health. You need a vision for your finances. You need a vision for your soul. We all need to be intentional about every aspect of our lives because God has called us to be a good steward. How can we be a good steward if we approach things without any intentionality? We're called to steward our lives as we're called to steward everything that God has entrusted to us. You need vision for your life. But here's the thing about the personal and the corporate visions. They intertwine and they intertangle much more than you and I would like to admit because, you know, our Western world and postmodernism has convinced us that who we're becoming as individuals, it only affects us. Like, oh, don't worry about me. Don't judge me. Don't point a finger. Don't try to call me higher. Don't try to call me out because who I'm becoming is only about me and it doesn't affect anyone else. Can I tell you, friends, that's a lie. Who you're affecting directly affects everyone else around you. For example, who I'm becoming as a pastor and as a leader in our church, wouldn't you say intrinsically affects every single one of you, correct? And then who you're affecting, mom, dad, parent in the room, would you not say that who you're becoming as a father, as a mother, intrinsically affects your child? Husbands, do you think you affect your wife? Wives, do you think you affect your husbands? We can go on down through uh, different relational dynamics. We can go through managerial positions. We can, we can talk about all these different things and try to say, hey, how do you think this affects you? Let me just tell you, everything affects everything. All of you are gonna affect your circle. Who is on your left and your right in your life, you are gonna affect who they become. And they're gonna affect who you become. And so we have to know that these things are much more intertwined and interconnected than we would have ever thought. It is so important and what's, to know what's happening in the lives of those around us because it matters. Because listen, we're all a part of building the body of Christ. This church is being built not just by, by, by groups, but by individuals and our individual visions and purpose. Listen, if we're not on the same trajectory where we're being, uh, our, our vision and our, our, our idea of our preferred future is not being informed by the word of God, then the vision for this house that's informed by the word of God will not come to pass because we need to be as individuals seeking God and allowing him to speak to us about our lives so that we then can be submitted to what he wants to do in our lives corporately. And so I would just say this, if you are a person that maybe has never taken the time to sit before the Lord, and to say, God, would you give me a vision for my future? A vision for my life. How do you want me to live? What kind of spouse do you want me to be? 
What kind of, what kind of employee do you want me to be? If you've never sat before the Lord and asked him to just search your heart and to speak to you, I would encourage you this week, take some time, find a place you can pray by yourself. That might mean telling your spouse to take the kids. If you've got roommates and you're in college or whatever, you might need to say, hey guys, I need y'all to be out of the house right now for a minute. Or maybe you go find a spot, maybe you find a coffee shop or a spot by the lake. And you sit with the Lord and you begin to bring your journal and you leave your phone in the car, leave your phone at home. Leave it plugged in on the nightstand, whatever. And sit before the Lord and begin to ask him, what do you see from my life? How can I better serve you? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to sacrifice to more fully follow you and give myself to you? And invite God to speak into the vision for your life and ask the Lord, hey, how can I participate in what you're doing in the church? How can I be a part of what you're building in our city? And then I would say this, find a friend and let them know what God said. Ask them to keep you accountable. Ask them to walk with you. Invite them into the process to say, hey, this is what I feel like God asked me to do. This is what I feel like God asked me to give up. This is what I feel like God asked me to pursue. This is how God told me to serve. This is how God told me to jump in. And make sure they keep you accountable. So two things, get with God and get with a friend to keep you accountable. So now that we have an idea of what vision really is and how personal and corporate vision can really affect one another in our lives. I wanna specifically talk about church vision for a moment because friends, we are living in a vision right now. In the words of Biggie Smalls, it was all a dream, okay? Six months ago, this church launched. 12 months ago, this was all a dream. I wasn't playing Nintendo and reading Word Up magazine, but I was doing other things. And, uh, and so 12 months ago, this place, was something that was in my mind, something God laid on my heart. And in fact, two years ago this month, July of 2021, I was actually on a trip here with my family for the very first time. We had been praying and seeking God and unbelievable just, just, just coincidences and strange little God winks where we just began to sense that maybe God was calling us to Boise and it, it, a thousand stories of how God came. I mean, I literally, I was at the airport getting ready to preach at a church in Texas. The gate I was sitting at changed to Boise while I'm sitting there. The first week we started to pray. Two weeks later, I was at breakfast with, a, uh, with my wife in Loveland, Colorado. And while we're sitting there, this guy comes up and says, hey bro, I think we went to college together. I was like, oh, no way, you go to TKU. I'm, I'm from down in Texas. He goes, no, Boise, Boise State. I was like, what? And then I'm like, hey, I'm actually, you know, we didn't go to college together, but I'm actually praying about moving to Boise. Oh, what are you praying to move to Boise for? I'm like, I'm praying about starting a church. Oh, they could use a good church. I'm going, what? <laughs> like over and over again, God just started to bring these moments. I was, I was on a vacation in Mexico. I sat next to a couple from Coeur d'Alene, a couple from Twin Falls, a couple from Boise, all separate couples, all from Idaho. I ain't never met anyone from Idaho. All I knew is y'all had potatoes. I didn't know what we had here until I got here. And now I'm like, I ain't telling anybody. No wonder you guys don't tell anybody. It's awesome. And uh, so, so we get here and, and, and we get to this amazing moment where we take this week and we just pretend like we live here as a family. And we began to just do all the things families do and my wife took the kids one day and let me go pray. And, and, then, and then I took the kids one day, let my wife go pray. But I was sitting at the district coffee house in downtown Boise. I was sitting on the patio at the second table to the right. And that was the table where God spoke to me the name Oasis. And God began to unfold for me the vision that we would carry in this house. And I felt the Lord specifically speak to me. I want this church to be an oasis for the wanderer. 
for the lost, for the hurting, for the broken in our city. A place of healing, refreshing, hope, and renewal for the city of Boise. I want this church to be a church that reaches the entrepreneurs, the pioneers, the dreamers, those gifted with grit, but questioning the purpose and direction for their lives. Those who have been wandering through life, trying to just find their own way, will come to know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life as they encounter God in our weekend services and find community in small groups and begin to take steps as they go to belong and discover their purpose and jump on a team and serve others around them in their community and grow in the word and in theological understanding. And I remember just sitting there as the Spirit of God was downloading just this vision of a place that would exist to see people far from God, encouraged, equipped, empowered, and released as fully devoted followers of Jesus. And, and I just remember the sense of, of God speaking to me that this church would not just be a church that is uh, uh, one side or another, but we would be presence-driven and theologically robust. We would be people of the Spirit and people of the Word, that we would not sacrifice one for another, that we'd be a church that desires spiritual gifts, but a church that is governed and firmly rooted in the word of God. And so as we sat and just began to pray, God confirmed with a resounding yes to both my wife and I that we were called to come and to start a church here, a church that would multiply through these groups, through church planning, through social media, through any means necessary to reach people with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would be a church that would not shy away from hard topics and hard truths. It would be a church that would feel like home and like family when you walked in. And that was a big deal to me because I remember walking into the first church I walked into after I got saved. No one asked me my name. No one wanted to hear my story. No one, no one, they, they gave me that look. You ever get that look? Like you ain't supposed to be here. I was wearing like ripped jeans with like a Copenhagen ring in my back pocket and like Carhartt hat. Like I was just like, I was fresh saved, fresh, fresh saved. Okay. And, uh, I walked in and these people were like dressed to the nines. They got suits on and I'm like, this is not my spot. And as soon as I rolled in, they looked at me as if like, you shouldn't be here right now. I remember feeling so unseen, so unloved. I sat in the very back by myself and I left, left feeling as if God wasn't there. Now, theologically, I knew that's not true, but I also felt that way. It wasn't until I encountered a church that loved me, that saw me, that connected with me, that cared, that the people looked like me, they wanted, they'd say, hey, come in. What's your name? Well, come on, let's get you connected. Come over to the connect tables. It, it changed my life. I said, I wanna build a church like that, that the lost can be found, that the lonely can find community, that the hurting can find healing, the anxious can find peace. I wanna build a church like that, a church that would be known in Boise for its impact on its, by not just of the church, of the church, of its people, of its people. It would be a church that would prioritize discipleship and next generation, a church that would be a powerful force for the kingdom of God in Boise because it would be a praying church. Not just a, a church that prays sometimes, no, a praying church, a church that prioritizes a culture of worship and prayer and that this isn't just something we're entertained by and we stand and listen to some nice music, but we give a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of worship to God. And we would be a church that actually takes spiritual ground as we butt up against principalities and powers over our city. And we come against spirits and we come against things that are trying to keep our city in chains. Materialism is one of the biggest things I see in our city where people are bound by this idea of perception management, materialism, greed, and this thing that says, I don't need anybody else. We're coming against that spirit. 
we're taking ground in our city because we are a praying church. Well, I'm proud to say that we are six months in as a church and we are living in this vision right now. Are we there yet? Are we complete? Absolutely not. But we are living in a vision right now. We have taken massive strides as a church in the last six months towards what God has called us to do as a community. And we've seen some amazing things. If you were on the launch team with us, you saw firsthand what God has done and where he has taken us. If you were on the launch team, you saw the partners begin to join on and say, hey, we believe in this vision and we wanna help fund it. We wanna get behind it. And we wanna help you guys as you start out. We wanna get behind you. You saw as we wrestled through what the heck we were gonna do for a venue and, and every door got slammed in our face. Schools said no, potential movie theaters said no. And we didn't know where we were gonna meet and we wrestled with God, where are you calling us to plant this church? And we drew a circle on the map and this building was in the center of that circle and God knew. I I didn't know, but there was a pastor and a church here that, that the pastor said, hey, I wanna give you our, our facility and I wanna turn this over to you. And we took over that lease and some people from that church stayed and became a part of our launch team and said, hey, we're gonna help build Oasis City and we're gonna get behind it and give added support and strength of a church that has existed in the past and said, we're gonna jump on board with you and we're gonna run with you after this vision to be an Oasis for the Wanderer. And now look at us, we sit in this building as a six month old church Come on, you should be praising God for this facility. Look what he's done. Most churches our age are set up and tear down every single week. Most churches our age are in a high school, a junior high. We have a permanent facility where we can facilitate ministry where we can office, where we can have people come and receive prayer and counseling and youth ministry. And we can do so many things because God created a miracle in the midst of our disbelief. God, are you even gonna come through? And he comes through in miraculous ways. And let me just share a few things that I think will be encouraging to you as we talk about the miracles and the things that have happened just thus far, some stats that I think will encourage you. Oasis City launched on February 19th of 2023. On opening day, we had 842 people come on launch day. 93, this is the exciting number, 93 decisions were made for Christ on our very first day as a church. Come on. And we've had many, many, many more decisions since then. And we've seen God, our average school year attendance is 555 people. God is growing our church. And because of that, we're looking at how to continue to not only grow smaller as we grow bigger, but also looking at ways to facilitate more room for more people so that they can come to know Jesus too, so they can be a part of our community and walk with us. 153 people actively serve on one of our teams or more. 153 people. 29 people in the last six months have been baptized, declaring publicly, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm just letting you know, I wanna see that number hit 100 people saying, yes, I'm going public with my faith by the end of the year. Can we, see, can we see that happen? 100 people baptized saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's gonna take us inviting our neighbors, telling them the gospel and walking with them through this process. But 78 people are in Rooted groups or have gone through Rooted, which is a small group curriculum based on discipleship and taking steps in their faith. 245 adults have come through and attended Belong, which is our newcomers class where they learn about their giftings and how they can plug in. This summer, we, we launched a youth ministry and, and we, we launched our women's ministry. Come on, ladies, anyone at the women's night? So powerful and awesome. And we, we started these worship nights once a month. 
And they have been the most awesome. Our summer worship nights have been some of the most fun things that we've, we've done. And it is so a part of our culture to be a church of worship and prayer that we're like, man, we need to facilitate this all year long. And so our summer worship nights are now gonna be quarterly, uh, all year long, continually. So every quarter, we're gonna have a massive worship night where it's just gonna be worship and prayer. And we're gonna actually go after things in our city. And we're gonna believe God to do some mighty, mighty things uh, in the spirit. And so we're gonna do that every single quarter. But that is just in the last six months. That's amazing. And uh, friends, this is only the beginning because in the next six months, as we look towards the fall, I wanna just share with you some vision that I believe God would have us pursue as we approach the fall. And so as we approach the fall, uh, number one, we wanna make more room for guests. Uh, This is summertime, okay? Everyone's still at McCall and look how many people are in the room, okay? As we approach August, September, we're gonna see a massive amount of people start to come through our doors. And so what I'm gonna be asking specifically of this service, the 1030, is if you have the ability to come to the nine, would you consider uh, shifting to the 9 a.m. to make room? We've identified this as really the primary service that most of our new guests and people that are coming to check out church, um, young families that are just trying to get there with their kids, we've seen that this is oftentimes the service that they choose just from connect cards. And so I just ask, would you pray about maybe moving to the nine. Uh, The second thing is this, we as a leadership team have identified that this is not a long-term solution to ask you guys just to move to the nine. And so we're, we're really looking at what does this look like as we move forward as a church? And so we're beginning to pray about what a third service would look like. Um, And so I just say this, if you have a heart to reach people for Jesus, if you want to be a part of seeing people, uh, facilitating a gathering where people can come to know the Lord and be encouraged and equipped and empowered, would you join a third service launch team as we get ready for that in the fall? Would you, would you come and talk to me, come and talk to our dream team, talk to the Connect team out there and just let them know, hey, I would like to be a part of that third service. I'd like to be on the launch team for that. I'd like to, to serve, whether that be in kids or in hospitality or coffee or greeting, but I would love to invite you. Use your gifts and serve other people that would come to know Jesus through another gathering. Uh, this is the last, or second, uh, third thing, is we'd like to develop a more robust presence locally when it comes to outreach outside the walls of this church. And so if you have a heart to serve our city, I would just invite you, would you come and talk to me about that as well? Would you come and talk to our team and say, hey, I have some ideas of how we could serve. Maybe, maybe you're a project manager. Maybe you're someone who's like, I can galvanize teams. I can get behind a vision and help people run towards something. I would like to talk to you. We, we have some amazing people at our church that do a great job of serving at the rescue mission and serving women's shelter and uh, uh, with, with um, uh, Foster and Home and, and all these, uh, Foster and Heart and all these amazing ministries. But we would like to see that continue to expand and just offer more to our city because we do have the people resources, right? To be able to, to send teams and to really uh, utilize as much as we can the body of Christ to be an answer to need in our city. And I wanna see that grow and increase. So if you have a heart, please talk to us. Uh, next thing is we wanna launch our quarterly men's ministry where we're gonna have these men's nights where we're gonna come together as brothers and we're going to begin to seek God. We're going to look at what biblical manhood really looks like because how many of you know what the church needs right now is men to rise up and lead their homes, love their wives as Christ loved the church and lead their families. That's what we need. And so we're going to be launching these quarterly men's events that are going to help facilitate small groups and help us plug in and, and, and really make a push to see us as men grow into the fullness of what we're called to be in Christ. And and, and, and like I said, we're going to develop the worship nights every quarter alongside those. But the last one is the most important uh, for us as a church. And it would be this. We're launching small groups this fall. And next month, we're going to be getting ready to launch our small groups. 
and it's going to be powerful uh, because we don't just desire to be a church with small groups, but we wanna be a church of small groups. We wanna be a church that, that is so rooted in this community, so real, so authentic, that when we see these groups, that they're not just um, a place where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, they hang out with some church people there. No, we want this to be a church that's so relational, so interconnected, so intertwined, that there is not a need in our community that goes unmet because of our small groups. I want our small groups to be the people that when you're in the hospital, they're the ones showing up. That when you're in need and you just had a child, that they're baking you meals and they're bringing them over. When you have a major life change or you're getting ready to move, they're the ones helping you move. Come on, that's how you know who your friends are, right? It's who helps you move. And so I wanna see a church that is there with you, with these groups that, hey, these people are with you in celebration and they cry with you at loss. I want this to be people that walk with us through every age and stage of life. And so these small groups are meant to create a relational network among us so that there is no one in our church that goes unseen, that there's no one in our church that doesn't have a need of theirs that is met by the community that's around them and that we as small groups can care for each other. And so that no, no matter what God does as he grows our church, that our church doesn't just grow wider, but it grows deeper, deeper in relationship, deeper in community, deeper in the word. That's the vision for these small groups. Again, our, our desire is that our church would be so relational. That's who we are. We want to be a family. We want to be a family that not only um, is there for each other, but I also want us to be a family that challenges each other. I think that's super important to have in a family, right? Is people that will call you out in love, right? In love. But people that say, hey, there's more on your life people that will keep you accountable, people that say, hey, you're not living according to your values. You're, you, you are, you're, you're astray, you're going a little off. People that in love can, can kind of push you back into your purpose. We wanna be a church that encourages each other to grow, that encourages each other to go deep, that encourages each other to turn to prayer before we turn to gossip, that encourages us to turn to the word before we turn to the world and go chasing after things that are gonna leave us empty in the end. It's important for us that we understand that in order for us, as we, as we look towards this fall and over the next several weeks, uh, obviously this is for the fall, this, this little bit of vision. Over the next several weeks, I wanna, I wanna unpack a little bit more of just the general future of Oasis City and where we're going and what I believe God is calling us to do and the ground he's calling us to take. We're really gonna break down uh, the reason why our church exists. We're gonna talk specifically about some of these things. We're gonna break down some of our key scriptures and guiding vision scriptures for our church in the next several weeks and really talk about who, who we're called to reach so that we as a church can have that just clearly set before us as we run after this vision. But I, I wanna say this, before God ever moves mightily in a church, in a city, in a, in a region, God first moves mightily in a heart. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter five, Mark chapter five, verses one through 20. We're gonna, we're gonna read all, all 20 scriptures together today. Mark chapter one, verses one through 20. Reading out of the NLT for this story here. It says this, so they arrived at the other side of the lake and in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and he smashed the shackles and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. 
When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him with a shriek. He screamed, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in the name of God, I beg you don't torture me for Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside the man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again to, to not send him to some distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirits begged, and let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Some translations will say, in his right mind. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful He's been, and so the man started to visit Decapolis, the 10 towns of that region, and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, the reason I, I read this story, and I, just for time's sake, I'm not gonna be able to really break down everything. We're gonna dive into this at another time in more depth. We'll talk about the pigs. I know y'all are wondering, what about the pigs? We'll talk about the pigs. Um, but what I wanna really focus in on in this moment today is a lot of times we read these stories. We, we read things like this in the scriptures and we look at characters like this in the Bible and we have a hard time reading them because we don't relate to them, right? Well, like, I just, I, I, don't, I don't see myself in this crazy dude that's cutting himself with stones and running around caves naked, right? Like, I just, I don't see myself there. Some of y'all had too crazy a college and you do see yourself there. But we look at this man who was clearly oppressed by the devil. This man, this guy had gone crazy. But I think many of us have been in his shoes more than we realize. I think many of us have looked a lot like this guy at times in our lives. We don't think we do. We're like, no, no, he's crazy. But, but I would say this, many of us have believed lies that the enemy has spoken over us. Many of us have fallen for lies and begun to be oppressed by the devil. We have been in situations where the enemy has tried to discourage us, to isolate us, come on, put you in a cave where you feel like you're alone and nobody's with you and given you self-harm tendencies, self-destructive patterns, ways where you drink yourself to sleep or you find some other way to cope with your, with your stress, with your anxiety, with your depression, with whatever it is that you're wrestling and fighting through. And you find yourself in this situation where you're oppressed and you're bound in chains and people are so not helpful to you that they try to say, hey, maybe this will help. And they put you in some more bondage and they put you in more chains and these things are not the answer and so it never holds it never helps it just breaks its chains come off shackles come off because it's not meant to heal you they're giving you medicators but they're not healing you and I think so many of us we're not howling out loud but internally we're crying out will someone help me I feel lost, I feel discouraged, I'm wandering. And is anyone gonna be there? Is anyone gonna help me? We're wandering around in the dark 
And we don't even realize it's dark because we haven't encountered the light. So we're wondering why we're always bumping into things and tripping over ourselves and finding ourselves in situations that are toxic. And we're walking in the dark because we've not experienced the light. But this man who was walking in darkness, this man who was oppressed by the enemy, he was bound, he was hurting himself. He encounters the light, the light that John 1 says is the light that shines in the darkness that the darkness cannot comprehend and cannot extinguish. That's the light he encounters. He encounters Jesus, the one Isaiah prophesied about when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives that they would be released, that the blind would see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And in one moment with this man, Jesus, one moment in the light, this oppressed, bound, broken, blind man, receives spiritual sight and he receives healing. And I know what I love about this story that I think we miss. Jesus does not just heal this man. Yes, he heals him. Yes, he sets him free. Now he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. Praise God. But he doesn't just set this man free. He does so much more than just set him free. He sets him on a trajectory. He gives him purpose. He says, hey, this guy's begging him. He's like, Jesus, let me just go with you. Like you're my healer. And he says, no. Jesus says, go to your family and begin to tell them about what God has done in your life. And now the man, he takes this, this great commission from Jesus to go to his family and he goes beyond it. He says, I'm not just gonna tell my family, I'm gonna go to Decapolis, the 10 cities, the 10 towns in my region. And I'm gonna proclaim the good news of Jesus and that he set me free and that he healed me. And listen, I want you to hear this this morning. Revival doesn't happen in a city or in a region or in a state or a country without first starting in one person's heart. It starts with one person radically encountering the love of God, the kindness of God, the healing of God. And then that fire that starts to burn on the inside of them spreads like wildfire amid their community. It starts to go to the left and to the right and to the highways and the byways. And all of a sudden, all these people start to catch what God is doing in a city. And so if we wanna see Boise look like heaven, if we wanna really see revival in our city, we gotta have revival start in our hearts. If we wanna be a praying church, we gotta be a praying individual. If we wanna be a worshiping church, we gotta be a worshiping individual. We can't reach our vision for our church and for our city without reaching the vision that God has for our lives, that we will be fully devoted followers of Him, that we'd be fully committed to Him, having nothing holding us back, nothing holding us down, no more chains and shackles holding us down and not trying to put other chains and shackles on ourselves because we're trying to find answers that aren't there, but turning to where the answers are found, which is in the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ Himself. He is the answer. That's revival. It's when it starts in your heart and it burns and it burns until it spills over and catches everything else around you ablaze with prayer, with passion for the word, with a passion for God and a desire to see the world come to know Jesus. And so that's where we're going. I, I just wanna be clear. We're not a church that's gonna be a complacent. We're not a church that's gonna be apathetic. We're not gonna sit here and be like, oh, wow, we got two pretty full services. I think we made it. We exist. 
that's your church, this may not be the church for you. We're a church that's gonna take ground in our city. We're a church that's gonna greet, we, we exist to see more changed lives. So we're gonna go out and we're gonna be the church, not just in this building, we're gonna be the church in our workplace. We're gonna be the church in our family. We're gonna be the church in our circles, in our communities. We're gonna be the church in every place where God puts us. We're gonna be a light that's set on a hill, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're not gonna put a lampshade over us. No, we're gonna shine. We're gonna let people know we're followers of Jesus. We're gonna let them know, hey, we exist to help you come to know him. That's why we're here, to know God and make him known. And we're gonna chase after that vision. And you're gonna hear me say it until I'm blue in the face. We exist to see people come to know Jesus. That's it. There's no other purpose in life except for to know God. That's the ultimate. So if you're in here today and maybe you walked in and this is your first time or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks and you're not sure why you're here, you're trying out of this Jesus thing, your friend invited you, you saw something on social media, you're not really sure, I want you to know this is why you're alive. Because God loved you enough that not only did he create you, he loved you enough that in your sin, in your shortcomings, in your failures, that he said, hey, I'm gonna make a way for you to be made right with me because we've all missed the mark, we've all sinned. Sin means to miss the mark. We've fallen short, it says in Romans 3.23, of the glory of God, every one of us. We've all missed it, we've all screwed up, everyone. But God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross in your place, taking the penalty and the punishment that you deserved so you could get what he deserved, which is righteousness, which is peace, which is joy, which is eternal life with God. And so Jesus went to the cross and he died. He didn't just die, he was buried in the ground for three days, but after three days, he rose from the dead, victorious over death, over hell and over sin. And now he's seated at the right hand of God with all honor and power and authority forever. And I want you to know, friend, if you're in the room today, that he loves you just as you are, where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And he's offering to you a free gift today, saying, stop trying to clean yourself up, do it yourself, make yourself look pretty and try to clean yourself up for church. That's not what we do here. We come broken and we leave healed because of Jesus. So I wanna offer to you a free gift today. Jesus wants to offer to you a free gift today. To accept eternal salvation, eternal life because of his gift of grace that comes from what he did on the cross. So if you're in the room and you know you're not right with God, you know that you've sinned, you know that you're far from him, you do not have a relationship with him, I wanna invite you to, to say yes to this free gift and to enter into a relationship with Jesus, a real relationship. And I want you to consider making the best choice you could ever make of just saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus and follow him from this day forward, turning away from my sin and turning towards Christ. And so if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd just like to know who I'm praying for. If you're not right with God and you wanna be, you wanna turn away from your sin and repent and turn towards Jesus today and make that decision. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. If that's you, one, two, three. If that's you, that's awesome. I see you, ma'am. Yes, I see you too. I see you as well, it's awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't wanna miss anybody. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you so much. We're gonna pray this prayer as a church just together. There's nothing special or magical about this prayer, just simply a heart declaration saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Everyone, would you just pray this? Say, dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. 
from this point forward, I wanna follow you. I turn away from my sin, I turn away from my past, and I turn towards your vision for my future. Thank you for dying for me, for rising from the dead, so I could live forever with you. Forgive me and heal me in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we, can we celebrate the three people that just put their faith in Jesus today? So awesome. So good. Hey, we're gonna take a moment to worship. So would you stand to your feet with me? I wanna encourage you, church. First of all, I love you. I pray for you guys all the time, all the time. I'm in this building almost every day. <laughs> I try not to be here on Friday, Saturday, but sometimes. <laughs> but then when I'm in this place, I, I pray for these seats. I pray for your children. I pray for your futures. I pray for your vocations. I pray for your marriages. I pray for your, your, your parents. I pray for you. And I love you and I'm proud of you. And I, I'm so thankful to do this with you. This is, this is a dream, but it's our dream. This isn't my dream. This isn't just a God dream. This is, this, is, this is God giving us a dream to steward. And we carry this together. And we're gonna see God do amazing things in our church. We're gonna see God restore marriages and relationships. We're gonna see God set people free. We're gonna see people healed. God's doing a great work among us and we're gonna worship and thank him for it. But I'm gonna ask you in this moment as well, take a moment and we're not gonna actually like pray for each other in this moment. I actually want you to just pray for yourself, be reflective. Would you ask God, whatever it is that you need healing from, like this man, find yourself in that story. Is there some isolation you're walking in? Is there some depression you're dealing with, anxiety you're dealing with, some other type of oppression on your life? Is there some self-destructive tendencies that you're giving into that would stop you from entering into the fullness of what God has for the vision on your life? Ask the Lord to speak to you about that. Ask the Lord to, to convict you of that and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the grace to step forward, to bring it to the light, to invite some, some friends in, to invite some leaders in, to walk with you because we want to walk with you. This is not something you're meant to do alone. So I just ask that you would reflect and ask the Lord in this moment, God, what would you have me sacrifice, step away from, give up? What do I need to fully entrust to you? So we're gonna pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here in the room. And Father, I pray you'd speak to individuals, to hearts, to minds. Father, I pray that you would set people free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, would you set the captives free? Would you open blind eyes? Those of us that are spiritually blind, that are ignorant to what you're doing around us, God, now, would you open our eyes spiritually to see what you're doing? Would you help us to see the areas that we're, we're slipping into toxicity, where we're slipping into sin, where we're slipping into indifference, where we're slipping into a slope that would pull us towards death? God, lead us into life, the abundant life that you promised in John 10. God, help us to live life more abundantly as we chase 
after you as our hearts are meant to look more like you. Would you strip away the things that the sin that so easily entangles and ensnares us, God? And would you let us live lives that are fully focused on you as we fix our eyes and fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith? Lord, we love you. And we ask you to speak to our hearts in this moment of worship. And Lord, we, we offer to you just a sacrifice of praise. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Lord, we will continue to work, continue to build until Boise looks like heaven. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.